Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <clears throat> we will continue to study the 105th Anushayana of Srila <laughs> Jiva Goswami Paramatma Sandarbha, the Bhagavat Purana, as the natural commentary on the Brahma Sutra and Gayatri. We're on a subsection of this 105th Anucheta, the fifth subsection. This particular subsection is titled Param, the object of meditation, is Bhagavan, who has form. And we are almost finished with this, so we will move on to the next subsection very shortly. Continuing where we left off in the last discussion, Shujiva Goswami now quotes uh, from the Bhagavatam. He's first of all been designating that the Supreme Brahman spoken about, Satyam Param Dimahi, to be meditated upon, is a qualified manifestation of the Supreme. Qualified in that it has qualities. And those qualities include Shaktis and various forms, name, form, qualities, pastimes. Uh, not an unqualified, distinctive-less Brahman, quality-less Brahman. He's taken us through a, a few stages, first of all, showing that that's the case scripturally, and then saying, okay, so you might not want to accept scripture because it kind of goes against because right there in the beginning of the Vedanta Sutra, it kind of gives a point. Janma-jasya-yataha, somebody, was the beginning of the creation, Janma. There's a birth there, and the birth qualifies it to a certain extent, so we would think there would be personality there. But with your Advaitin viewpoint, you may want to resort to logic. So therefore, he defeated it logically. And now he's speaking to the qualities of that qualified Brahman, his many qualities, and distinguishing that personality from other personalities which we may think of when we hear, hear certain scriptural statements as the supreme source of that material manifestation, Jadmad Yashayataha, it all springs forth from somebody. Well, let's make sure you understand who the somebody is, because there's a lot of, there are statements in the scripture that could lead you to believe that it's somebody that it isn't. So let's make sure that we understand it is the somebody that is the supreme Brahman and not somebody else. So Jiva continues, Brahma and Shiva are merely instruments in the acts of creation and dissolution of the universe, of formless time controlled by you. And that's a quote from the 10th canto, 71st chapter, which is, I don't know, 71st, what's the prayers of the personified Vedas, 78th, or is it to 71st? So it's before that. So I'm not sure of the context there. Then Jiva Goswami gives a 
gives the following explanation. Your time potency, Kala, which is formless, is merely an instrument in creation. Here, the sixth case in Tava and Kalasha is used in a different substratum. These two words are not in opposition with an A, opposition. Goes on. And that Bhagavad is the embodiment of all forms is affirmed in statements such as, then he quotes, the Purusha is the first avatar of the Supreme Lord. Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavatam 2, 6, 41. The Purusha is the first avatar of the Supreme Lord. Well, yeah. I mean, without the first Purusha manifesting the universe, there wouldn't be a universe for the Lord to descend into. So, the first manifest of the Supreme Lord in relationship to the material creation has to be the Purusha avatars. Whether it be Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Karma Dakshai Vishnu, or Kashira Dakshai Vishnu entering into every living entity. So the first one is, uh, is the first avatar, the Purusha. Because you can't really descend into something that's not there. There has to be a creation. So somebody's got to create it, and that's, that's the Supreme Lord in his first manifestation. And then he quotes another verse from the Bhagavatam from whose partial manifestations the sustenance, creation, and dissolution of the cosmos proceed. Partial manifestations. Two partials and a full. But here in the verse quoted from the sixth canto it says partial manifestations for creation. That would be a Brahma charge of the motive passion. Uh, sustenance would be Vishnu himself. So partial manifestation, well, we would say partial in relationship to, it's a manifestation of the Lord in relationship specifically with the mode of goodness uh, within the material universe. But still to be never seen as qualified by the gunas of material nature. And of course, dissolution, we have Lord Shiva, who is also a manifestation of the Supreme Lord, uh, representing the mode of ignorance and in charge of dissolution. In this way, here also, in Srimad Bhagavatam 111, the very first verse, by the words Satyam Param and Janmadyashayata, Bhagavan alone, who has such a form, has been introduced. Uh, a couple notes uh, I just want to review with you from the commentary. Uh, one paragraph reads as follows. As stated earlier, Jiva Goswami takes Satyamparam in the introductory verse of the Bhagavatam to be the Swarup Lakshana of the Absolute Brahman. The Tatasta Lakshana is given in the beginning part of the verse, from him arises the creation, etc., of the cosmos, Yataha. The cosmos is not part of the absolute form 
but a manifestation of his energy. Although the cosmos also characterizes him, we cannot know his intrinsic nature, Swarup, merely by seeing this world. So it's the Tatasta. It's, it's, It's not his true. It's not his swarup lakshana. It's not the primary characteristic of his nature. It's a secondary characteristic. So in this instance, the word tatasta uh, lakshana is used. Just as a, just as an artist's creation tells us something about him. So if an artist, if we see an artist's artwork, like uh, Dante's. Uh, entrance into hell or something I forget the name of the piece it tells us something of where the man's mind's at you know just to look at the artwork or a, an Escher painting you definitely know this guy's a he's an abstract thinker to say the least so it tells us something of his nature just as the material manifestation and all the creation we see around us in the material world tells us something of the Creator. But it doesn't tell us everything. So it tells us the extrinsic nature of his character. He goes out and he paints. We know something of his character from what he puts on the canvas. And we can have something of the character of the Supreme by looking at the canvas of the material creation. We can say, wow, it's pretty pretty complex. You can go to the Discovery Channel and watch movies about Africa and the ocean and the skies and all the different... And it's it's quite amazing. Uh, we think we're, you know, we're... Well, we are the supposed top of the food chain as far as intelligence goes, but I don't know that the lion or the cougar who would be chasing you would think that you were at the top of the food chain, but we, we tend to think, well, we can have a gun, so that puts us at the top of the chain, food chain. Hopefully it'll work at the necessary time, but it might not. So, uh, But gives us no idea of the physical appearance speaking here of the Lord's personal form so we can tell something of of the Lord by his manifestation but doesn't really tell us what he's about what he's like gives us some pretty nice indications it's pretty pretty amazing but doesn't tell us the whole story So, secondary and primary characteristics has been brought up in this. Uh, the creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos are upalakshana. Upalakshana. Or, in other words, incidental distinguishing marks of Brahman. And not visasana, or essential defining characteristics. The difference between the two is that the latter is included within the Sarupa of Brahman while the former is external to
to its nature or as we would say his nature or when he wants to bewilder the demons her nature mm-hmm. so now we've covered these first two verses atato brahma jignasa and janmajasya yataha uh, that have been presented in the first verse of the bhagavatam the first being at the very end of the verse, Satyam Param Dimahi, the second verse of the Vedanta Sutra occurring right at the beginning of the first verse of the Bhagavatam, verbatim, Janmad Yasha Yataha. Not hidden in any other, it's just right there. And since we like Advaita Vod so much, one other thing. According to Advaita Vod, the cause of illusion is ignorance, avidya. And Brahman is the witness, Saksi, of this ignorance. The Antakarna, the internal psychic organ, is inert and thus it cannot illuminate the vritti and provide knowledge of objects. Brahman, limited by the Antakarna, is the Jiva Shakti. And the same Brahman limited by Maya is Isvara Shakti, Vedanta Paribhas 1. Illumination by the Shakti means that it has the power to illuminate itself and others like the sun. This establishes that it is inherently endowed with potency and thus cannot be qualityless. Sri Jiva Goswami argues that if Brahman were impotent, then the word Janmajasya Yataha in this verse would be unnecessary. It would have been sufficient to say Tejo Vari Mridam Yata Vinimayo Yata. Let us meditate on Brahman, upon whom the world is superimposed, like the appearance of water in a mirage or ice mistaken for a crystal. So one thing that's interesting here is the the idea that Brahman limited by the Antyakarna is the Jiva Shakti. And the point that it's, it comes out that this Antyakarna is even on the Jiva is not in and of itself a conscious potency. So when we say antakarna, we mean well, we we could say the heart. So and the heart has four chambers: mind, intelligence, false ego, and the chitta. But these are all material, and it's it's interesting to keep that in perspective that. Mind, intelligence, false ego, and even the chitta. This is all part of the material evolutes. They're not really of the nature of the self. That doesn't mean that they don't have their counterpart within the spiritual realm. But in and of themselves, their influence on the jiva is not... They're in, well, they're influenced. They're used by the jiva because they're used by the jiva. 
I guess you could say that the false ego kind of uses the jiva, but it's 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 a matter of we buy into it. So that false antakarna is dissolved by the process of bhakti. That false sense of self, the false ego, the mind, the intelligence, material intelligence, and the chitta is which truly constitutes the the ropes that bind us. We're bound by our heart to the material nature. We're not bound by our senses. We have a mind which basically is that is the, at the top of the sense food chain, so to speak, and it it's making the decision. It's okay to do this, not to do that, based on what the intelligence is, information the intelligence is providing based on the nature of the influence of the modes of material nature that the living entity is under predominantly. Moving right along. Now we come to the next verse of the Vedanta Sutra. Uh, this is the sixth subsection of the 105th Anucheta. The absolute is known only through scripture. Sutra 113. Sutra 113 of the Vedanta Sutra is Shastra Yonitvat. The Supreme Lord should be understood through the sacred scriptures. Shastra Yonitvat. Jiva writes here, In this manner, after having ascertained the nature of the Supreme, Param, by his extrinsic characteristics, the material manifestation, the very same characteristics are established in the following two sutras of the Brahma Sutra. And then they're translated a little differently. We'll read the translation according to Jiva Goswami's Anucheta. That Brahman is the source of creation and so on is concluded from Scripture because Scripture alone is the source of valid knowledge regarding him. Shastra Yonitvat. And, and now we come to the fourth sutra of the Vedanta Sutra. But the truth that Brahman is known, knowable, only through the Vedas is due to the fact that the Vedas are consistently reconciled in him alone. Tattu Samanvayat. So now we're coming into a, a whole new discussion of what these two sutras mean and how they're presented in the first verse of the Bhagavatam. The wording's a little different, but the meaning is the same. And that's Jiva's whole point here in this 105th Anucheda, that we're going to find that the Bhagavatam is a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. And the very first verse of the Bhagavatam is, covers the first four sutras because these four, first four sutras of the Vedanta Sutra contain 
more or less the essence of the whole text. It's all just like just like we would say that the the Bhagavatam, the very first verse of the Bhagavatam, is unpacked in the rest of the rest of the presentation. So it has that much in it. It's it's well in itself is a Gayatri, Dimahi. It's a it's a a focal point for meditation where from evolvement of the whole ideas all the ideas put forth comes. So that's also there in the Vedanta Sutra. The first four sutras encapsulate and those first four sutras, as we mentioned, are the ones that are primarily commented on. In fact, some commentators on the Vedanta Sutra only commentate on the first four. If, if I can present my philosophy my ideas just by giving an explanation of these first four verses. And that explanation and the way it's presented can be so powerful and so distinctive that you get a Sampradaya. Because a Sampradaya is primarily based on the commentary the Prastana Trai of which Vedanta Sutra and Bhagavad Gita stand at the top, and specifically Vedanta Sutra. Top two, Samanvayat. This is going to get a little technical, so, uh, but it's 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 good stuff here. The meaning of the first sutra is as follows. Meaning of the third sutra. The meaning of the first sutra is as follows. How is it that Brahman is the cause of the creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos? In response, Vyas says, because scripture is the source of knowledge about it and because there are scriptural statements to prove it, such as, from whom all these beings spring forth. And then he quotes, that's a quote from the, I believe, Tatatriya. Upanishad. In this matter, Jiva goes on and writes, logic is not admissible as valid evidence. We can't establish a concomitance regarding the Supreme to the material manifestation that would be sufficient to allow us to enter into a comprehensive understanding of the Supreme. So we have to rely on somebody that's been there. We have to rely on subda, descending sound vibration, or revelation. Somebody that's actually experienced Brahman can, it, can give us some indication about Brahman. We cannot depend on our logic because our logic ultimately is informed by our environment and our environment will only take us so far but when we're talking about Brahman now we're now we're talking about well what is this Brahman from that we should meditate on we've established we need to meditate on the well Satyam the supreme existence so Param this Param Satyam we need some Dimahi there we need to meditate there and 
everything that we experience springs forth from there. So now we've got the first two verses of the Vedanta Sutra telling us what to do and what correlation we can see. Like, in other words, there's, we, we do have some relationship with that Satyam Param. We live in the creation and we are the creation of that spiritual reality, that spiritual existence, supreme existence. So now, what about the existence that from which the creation springs forth? And which we should meditate on. How do we under, How are to we proceed now? We know we need to meditate. We know we need to meditate on what we know that there's intrinsic characteristics and extrinsic characteristics. The extrinsic characteristics that we're that we have some familiarity with, but. Jiva's already pointed out that the meditation should be on the the Sarupalakshana, the internal characteristics, not the Tathagata Lakshana. So where do we get knowledge about that so that we can meditate? And the next verse of the Vedanta Sutra point says, only from scripture. You can only get it. You can only get it from Scripture. And where did Scripture get it? Well, the Scripture is coming either directly from the Supreme. Either He speaks it directly. We accept the Vedas as coming as the breath of the Lord. But sometimes He breathes through His sadhus, who have experienced that spiritual reality. So now, now we're going to unpack that meaning of this very third verse of the Vedanta Sutra. And Jiva goes on and says, well, the first thing is, logic's not going to work. That's what this third verse is actually saying. It's saying, Sastra Yonit Vat, only by Shastra. And in the very next verse, Tattu Samanvayat, no other logic's going to work. So now he unpacks that. In this matter, logic is not admissible as valid evidence. Praman. Unlike in other philosophical systems, darshans, because logic in and of itself is inconclusive. Tarka pratistanat. Then he quotes another verse from the Vedanta Sutra. This comes up later in the text. In the second section, 11th verse of the first chapter, there's four sections to the Vedanta Sutra. And each section has four chapters. The sense is that because Brahman is utterly beyond the senses and not subject to any other means of valid knowing, such a perception, such as perception and so on, the philosophers re- referred to as Vinasikas, the Voidists, the Buddhists, will, however, be refuted by logic alone in the second chapter of the Brahma Sutra called Aviroda. 
So don't worry about it. It's going to be covered. And in the Vedanta Sutra, it is covered. Their, their logic will not, get, will not afford them entrance into a comprehensive understanding of the Supreme. The world is created through the agency of the jiva because it is a product like a clay pot. And now he presents different logics that are put forth and then he, of course, will refute them. So these are the these are these are put forth by Jiva Goswami. In this regard, the inconclusiveness of logic is as follows. Then he gives a, a first logical idea that someone would put forth. God cannot be the agent because, like a liberated person, he has no purpose to achieve. God can't be the creator of the universe. It can't spring forth from him because he's got no interest there. Just like a liberated person, he has no interest in, in material, material affairs, so he doesn't, he doesn't conduct himself in any association with material activity. Doesn't get a wife, doesn't get a house, doesn't get a job. He has no interest in it. He's self-satisfied. Well, God has to be super self-satisfied then. So if God is super self-satisfied, then what purpose would he have? What purpose would he would it serve him by doing a material creation? So therefore we can't say the material creation comes from God. That's a logical objection that someone could put forth. Or how about this one? Jiva goes on. The world is created through the agency of the jiva because it is a product like a clay pot. The jiva actually has some agency and if the jiva acquired enough agency, perhaps a jiva just made the world. And it wasn't the supreme Brahman. So, that's the second logical argument that could be put forth. We come to another. Universal time, about which there is a difference of opinion as to whether the cosmos exists or not during the period of dissolution, is never bereft of the world. Universal time is never bereft of the world because it still possesses the character of being time. Time is time. Time after time. <laughs> it doesn't go away. Even when there's a dissolution, there's still this time. So it's always there. Like the present moment, which is directly perceivable as correlated to the world. We can perceive time in relationship to our actions. We're sitting here and in a few minutes the class will be over and the time will have expired and we'll move on to something else. So we have experience of time and it's in relationship to to what we what we're going through or go through. In this way, the inference of God is Farah that confirms to one particular philosophical school 
remember, inference, we're talking about logic. So, the inference of God that conforms to one particular philosophical school, darshan, different philosophical schools called darshan, is nullified by the contrary inference of another school. It's the jiva. It's time. It's, it's not God because he has no interest. Consequently, the supreme person, Purushtam, who is the regulator of all and the personification of the absolute truth, is knowable only through the revealed scriptures, Shastra. Scriptures, too, specifically propound the supreme form, Swarup, who is categorically distinct from all objects perceived by all other means of knowledge, who is an immeasurable, incomparable ocean of wonderful, generous qualities accompanied by omniscience and true resolve, and whose essential nature is diametrically opposed to all inferior objects. He does not have even an iota of the defects found in objects perceived by other means. From this, it is also established that he is the self-endowed. He is self-endowed with unlimited intrinsic, eternal forms. Here we are. Atato Brahma Jignasa, Janmadyasya Yataha, Shastra Yonit Vat, and then. Tattu Samanvayat. These are the four, first four verses. So from the commentary. The first four sutras of the Brahma Sutra, probably properly called Chatur Sutri, Chatur Sutri, first four verses of the Vedanta Sutra, Chatur Sutri are considered to be the most important and, and as providing the gist of the complete text. Shujiva Goswami now shows that the meaning of all four sutras could be found in the very first verse, the Bhagavad Purana. Then a little bit of an explanation of how Jiva was, was providing these contrary opinions. There are three means of acquiring valid knowledge, praman, that are accepted by the various theistic schools of Vedanta, as well as by those of Sankhya and Yoga. Now remember, if we remember back to our study of the Tattva Sandarbha, there are actually ten means of acquiring knowledge. But Jiva Goswami condensed them down to three. In other words, pratyaksha, perception, and inference could be all the other types of logic like hand gestures where you can, you know, do a mudra and, and, and communicate uh, the sense of a, of a mantra or like that. Or you could just give another hand gesture which People definitely know what you're saying. So, all these other means of trans, uh, receiving knowledge, we can receive knowledge, 
but really a hand gesture is coming through your senses, so you're seeing it. So why don't we just go up, call it pratyaksha? That's what. So basically, when we say three, we can expand them out to ten to have a more comprehensive understanding, or we can pull them back into the three. So that's being said here. There are three means of acquiring valid knowledge. So don't be confused when somebody says, what do you mean there's ten? No, no, there are ten, or there's three, or I'm sure people, other people would say, well, actually there's twelve and a half. But you know what I'm saying? Just logical argument. Praman. That are acceptable by the very theistic schools of Vedanta. So not all not all schools of knowledge, just the Vedantic schools of knowledge, the theistic schools, as well as those of Sankhya and Yoga, perception, pratyaksha, inference, anumana, and the statements of re, a reliable person, sabda, or that reliable person can be God, or it can be a saintly personality, or, or a manifestation of the Lord like Srila Vyasudeva. So, Sabda, although we, when we say Sabda, that, that's a pretty wide range. It doesn't mean just sound vibration. It means reliable sound vibration, reliable person. So, God's reliable, and the Vedas come from God, so that's Sabda. The first means is inadequate to disclose knowledge of the Absolute because the Absolute is altogether beyond sense perception. Inference is based upon the knowledge of Vyapti, the invariable concomitants between the inferential cause and its inferred predicate, acquired through sense perception. So we infer, and what we infer also is based upon ultimately sense perception. We had experience of fire, and we saw a mountain, and we saw smoke, and we we put the two together, and we came up with an idea. But that idea was based on sense of perception to begin with. So, vyapti, the invariable concomitants relationship. Therefore, it too is ineffective in providing reliable knowledge of the absolute. Nayaikas establish the existence of Iswara, the creator of the cosmos, cosmos, by logic or inference. But logic is never certain. One can always postulate superior arguments to refute another, as stated by Bhatrihari. And then a quote is there from the Vakya Padilla. A position that is asserted even with merit meticulous attention by expert logicians can be shown to be otherwise by those who are even more clever. So there will always be, unless, unless we come to the point of accepting Shastric statements, logicians will, there will always, always be some one-upmanship between one logician and the next, no matter how meticulous his argument is, how much he's covered everything, somebody will always find a little crack and then they'll say, well, but you didn't take into consideration this little point right here. How does your logic cover that? 
My logic now, on the other hand, my logic, I can, I can. Sri Jiva has provided three sample inferences to show that show the fertility of trying to prove prove God's existence on the basic of logic alone. The first posits that God cannot be the creator because he is devoid of ambition. Like a liberated person, and hence he has no purpose to achieve by such an act. Why should an intelligent, omniscient God engage in a futile endeavor like creating the universe? No action implies that its agent has some purpose. An action, I'm sorry. An action implies that the agent has a purpose to fulfill for which the action is performed. The second inference argues that the world is like any other product, such as a clay pot, which is made by a potter. So the world must, too must be created by the jiva, who has some purpose to fulfill through its production and not by God. So the jiva can pull it off. He has a purpose. God doesn't. The third inference argues that the universal that universal time is never bereft of the world, even in the state of dissolution, as conjectured by some philosophers. Effectively speaking, this is to say that the world was never created because it is never really annihilated, and thus there is no necessity of a creation. Time has always been, and always will be, and always was, and is. So, what is this talk of creation? There's no real creation, is there? There's different manifestations of the material elements, and sometimes the whole material manifestation wraps up, but does it? Time goes on. So, it's a logical explanation. Therefore, the third Brahma Sutra concludes that only scripture can disclose reliable knowledge about Brahman, which is beyond the purview of our sense perception. Because these logicians, they will argue till the cows come home. Independence of scripture Independent of scripture, no one can say conclusively anything positive or negative about Brahman. So that concludes this evening's discussion. We will continue in the next class. The synthesis of the Vedas is in Bhagavan. I thank you very much for your association.